This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 68. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Thursday, March 4th, 2021. And on today's podcast, we're talking with Rob Eason, the former basketball coach at UAB, Virginia Tech, and Maryland. He's now a Pac-12 network analyst and resides in Birmingham, Alabama. We're talking all things March Madness, Tide Hoops, and everything you need to know as the month of March rolls in to March Madness, something we didn't get last year and something I'm certainly looking forward to, having an SEC tournament and March Madness tournament here in just a matter of days, honestly. want to remind you the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. I know I sped through that, but check out the podcast on those three platforms. Share with your friends on social media or word of mouth. There is Galloway Podcast merchandise in which you can rep and you can spread the good word of this podcast really appreciate everybody for their support of the galloway podcast as always we're going to start with what's new in the world of sports just a couple of points to get to today we'll talk with rob eson all things hardwood and all things hoops and then we'll wrap up with around alabama athletics a busy spring and a successful spring for alabama athletics here in tuscaloosa that's all coming up here on the Galloway Podcast. I want to remind everybody you can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway, where a lot of this podcast content is driven and taken from. That's William Galloway on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. What's new in the world of sports? J.D. Davison scored 45 points versus midfield in the 2A semifinal game on Wednesday. J.D. is an Alabama men's basketball signee for the 2021 class. This summer, he will enroll at the University of Alabama and begin his time at the capstone of higher education where legends are made for next year's school and next year's basketball team. He told me yesterday after the game that he could not be more excited if he tried. Calhoun, his school, lost to midfield by four, and as I said, J.D. put up 45 points, but when I talked to him after the game, he said, man, if I could get down there right now and play with Nate Oates and play with those guys, I would. He said he's so excited for March Madness. He's so excited to see the success that Alabama's had. He's tweeted after every Alabama win this year, roll tide, can't wait to get down there, all that. J.D. Davison on Twitter put up 45 points yesterday, and I tell you what, it was electrifying. He runs the floor, he's explosive, and he's just going to be a great asset for Nate Oates and this team moving forward. J.D. Davison, remember the name, coming to Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa shortly. The SEC tournament is right around the corner. The Alabama men's basketball team wrapped up the 2021 SEC regular season championship, something that the program hadn't done in 19 years. So Alabama cut down the nets and made history, literally cut down the nets versus Auburn. The team clinched last Saturday at Mississippi State, and they came back and beat Auburn on Tuesday night and celebrated not the win over Auburn, but the SEC championship, regular season championship as a whole by cutting down the nets. That was a really special moment inside Coleman Coliseum. SEC tournament will take place Wednesday through Sunday. Alabama has a two-round bye and will start play on Friday. And folks, 
This is March. As John Rothstein likes to say, the best month of the year. Really excited to see what this year's tournament is going to hold. Partially because Alabama is guaranteed. You know, we don't have to get to Selection Sunday shortly in a week and a half and know and, and be thinking, where's Alabama? Where are they going to go? You know, who are they going to play? Are they even going to be in? We know they're going to be in. We don't know who they're going to play. We don't know where they're going to be. But we know Alabama will be a two and possibly at worst a three seed. And that's got to give a lot of Alabama fans hope. And so for more basketball talk now, we're going to turn to the professional, Rob Eason. Plenty of March Madness experience. He's got some great stories of what it's like to coach in March, what it's like to be around a college basketball program, traveling the country, trying to win a championship in the month of March. You can follow him on Twitter, Rob Eason. His Twitter handle is at Rob Eason, E-H-S-A-N. Plenty of basketball insight. And here he is on episode 68 of the Galloway Podcast. I'm joined now on the Galloway Podcast with Rob Eason, former basketball coach at UAB, Virginia Tech, and Maryland. He's now a Pac-12 network analyst and uh, living in Birmingham, correct, Rob? I am still in the great city of Birmingham. Wonderful, wonderful. It's uh, where I grew up, great place to live, and uh, great people, great food. So it is officially March as uh, as. Our friend, he doesn't know me, you might know him, John Rothstein says, this is March, we're here. How excited are you for this month and what the basketball season holds in the next couple weeks? Yeah, you know, it's a different perspective, obviously, for me um, this time around in March, just because I'm not coaching. But I, I, you know, vividly, obviously, the last 15 years as a coach, you know, March Madness is real, especially from the coaching side. I think the pressure, the excitement, um, trying to get your team to really be the best version of themselves is so important and what every team strives for. And, you know, I was on Twitter yesterday and Maryland basketball posted, it had been 11 years yesterday that uh, we won. I was a 27 year old assistant coach for Gary Williams and we had beat Duke. Um, it was a 2009, 2010 season to tie for the ACC regular season championship. And it was a sold out arena, as you imagine. And it was the last loss Duke had until they won the national championship. So kind of an unbelievable March madness feeling. We had beat them like literally at the buzzer, stormed the court, like the classic storm the court. Um, so hopefully there'll be a lot of memories like that for some coaches, but that, that was one that really uh, just, you know, I saw yesterday and really stood out to me. Tell me about the grind of being a coach in the season. When March rolls around, you've gone through the gauntlet of February, which if you're an Alabama basketball fan listening to this podcast, you know what February can be like. But as a coach, I mean, this month rolls around. It's what you've been working for. It's what you've been waiting for. And you've got to get through the end of conference play. You've got to get through a conference tournament, which is back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. And then it's a quick turnaround. You're hopping on a plane, hopping on a bus, going somewhere in the tournament. What's that like as a coach trying to get your players ready? Well, I think it's it's – it's time consuming. It's mentally and physically draining. I think right now, especially this year, because teams have played so many games back to back to back and makeup games, you know, there's a level from a coach and player standpoint of just fatigue. And so one of the biggest challenges is being able to keep positive energy, keep your locker room together. I always said the best teams I've ever coached and been on have been teams that have like great locker rooms coming down the stretch. And you, you know this, William, there is a lot of luck involved, at the, especially when you get into the NCAA tournament. It's about matchups. It's about seeding. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, a lot of times you need the ball to bounce your way to make a magical run. But the biggest thing is for coaches is trying to get your team 
to play their best this time of year and really trying to keep them mentally engaged, physically fresh, excited, and also limit distractions. You know, talking about Alabama, right? This is a time, this is the first time in a long time, especially for Herb Jones, John Petty, Alex Reese, all these guys who have ever been in this situation in March with this kind of pressure, this kind of attention. So trying to um, compartmentalize that and really focus on getting better, playing together, doing what we've done to get us here, that, that's, that's the biggest challenge. I want to ask you about Alabama in a second, but you mentioned the ball bouncing your way and having some things happen in order for you to be successful in the month of March. One thing that comes to mind is Virginia. You know, you look at their, I guess they're technically defending national champions since there was no tournament last year, but they had a couple shots go their way from Diakite. They had the foul against Auburn in the final four. All these things happened. And, you know, I always like to look back at the Auburn game in the first round from the tournament, the last tournament, which was two years ago, if uh, I think it was New Mexico State they were playing, if the player didn't hit free throws um, yeah. from New Mexico State, if he did hit free throws, then Auburn loses the game. And so it's, there's all these things that happen. Uh, but on that note with you, what's what's your most memorable March moment in the past, in your basketball career? It could be playing, it could be coaching, being around the sport. What has been that for you in the month of March? Well, there, there's two quickly I'll touch on. The first one, that same year I talked about the Maryland in 2010, we get the four seed. We're in Spokane. We're playing um, Michigan State, who's the five seed, to go to the Sweet 16. Um, we're in the locker room before the game, getting ready, and we're watching on TV. They have the TVs up in the back of the locker rooms, and, and we're watching Northern Iowa upset Kansas. So Kansas uh, was the one seed. We're watching uh, – the team is watching Northern Iowa, the eight seed or nine seed, beat Kansas – literally two minutes before we run onto the field. They were on our side of the bracket. So now we're playing to go to the Sweet 16, but we're also playing to, to play Northern Iowa to go to the Elite Eight. And so you can imagine from all of us, we are like, wow, this is unbelievable. And we, um, we go out and play Michigan State. We're down 12 in the second half. We come back, Gravis Vasquez makes a shot with five seconds left to put us up one. They inbound the ball. They dribble the ball out. Michigan State had no timeouts. They kind of fumble the ball. Draymond Green's on that team. Three seconds, two seconds. Tom Izzo is, is motioning for a timeout, but he didn't have any. And credit the ref. He did not call the timeout because the ref knew the circumstance and I think didn't want to end the game on that. They throw a pass to one of their players. Was, and I want to stop you there. Was it visible? Like, was it? Could you hear it from the other side of the bench, like the call, him calling the timeout, or was he just well, motioning? Well, you couldn't hear it, but when you go back and watch the film, you can see coaches are going like this, like to the guy. And, again, I, I credit the ref for not doing it. You know, the ref knew that there was no timeouts. But just a crazy scenario. They literally shoot a 30-footer at the buzzer and make it. And we lose. They go on, beat Northern Iowa. They beat Bruce Pearl in Tennessee, and they go to the Final Four. And that was the second to last year of Gary Williams – career uh so that, that's one and then my other one close to here is to be honest is is the Birmingham team in 2014-15 um you know we are the four seed the tournaments in Birmingham the conference tournament we go on a magical run people don't realize we had Williams 16 wins to end the regular season okay we were playing Western Kentucky in the BJCC and literally with 55 seconds to go in the first round we're down four with 55 seconds to go wow we end up making a three. 
they get a five second call, a rule that's been eliminated in college basketball since. <laughs> uh, we make a basket and we win by one. The rest is history. And a week later, we were waking up on Saturday, on Saturday playing UCLA to go to the Sweet 16. So, uh, one, you know, two magical situations. One kind of went our way, one kind of didn't. But for me, those are two unbelievable March Madness memories. Yeah, I think just for me, patrolling the um, internet in high school, trying to beat the the internet blocked, you know, because they would block it in high school. They would say, no, you this March Madness website's blocked. You can't watch that. So we're getting VPNs. We're going around the system trying to stream games. Our teacher's telling us about, you know, some World War II fact. And we're like, look, it's Thursday or Friday of the tournament. We don't care about school. We just want to see some brackets busted. Um, and that's what stands out to me, you know, when I think about in recent history, watching yeah. college basketball and March Madness, but obviously Alabama trying to make some history this year. Rob, I want to ask you about Nate Oates. I want to ask you about the Crimson Tide. Just what have been your, what stood out to you about this team? Because it's a, it's a situation Alabama hasn't seen in literally 19 years. Yeah. So uh, Coach Oates is, is become a great friend of mine. We played him when he was at Buffalo and I was at UAB. We had lost in an overtime game in the Cayman Islands, which was an amazing game. I think, um, you know, when he inherited his, the, the Alabama program two years ago and he immediately implemented his style, I think a lot of people, including myself, questioned, could you play that way in a league with Kentucky, Florida, uh, you know, LSU was, was getting good. Could you play that way uh, and be successful? Because if you're going to play fast, you know, really you got to have a lot of talent. Well, they, well a couple things have happened. The older guys, Herb Jones, John Petty, you know, have really matured and become really good leaders and college basketball players, number one. They've obviously sprinkled in and done an unbelievable job recruiting, and they have the talent. The most surprising thing to me, William, is I think defensively how good they have become. And I know it's got a lot of publicity um, recently, but just their defensive numbers are off the chart for a team that emphasizes offense and plays as fast, takes as many threes, um, you know, I think how good they've been defensively is kind of an outlier in college basketball because most teams that play that way sacrifice some defense and they haven't done that. And uh, I mean, Coach, Coach Oates, in my opinion, deserves, you know, to be, uh, you know, he'll be SEC Coach of the Year for sure, but deserves to be, you know, in the conversation for National Coach of the Year. And he's just, he's done an incredible job. One thing that stands out to me about Coach Oates is player development, because I'm not going to sit here and bash any previous coach, but I think really for the first time in his career, John Petty was really just taught, and, and he's been taught, he's been instructed, you know, he had a great high school coach in Jack Doss, but I think Nate Oates was finally the um, one to buckle down and say, you know what, John, like, I'm your coach. You're going to run things this way. And he's, he's pulled 100% of his potential out of him. What do you see in Coach Oates as a player development coach? And how have you seen that play out in the way that in just two years, he's developed guys like Alex Reese, um, John Petty, Herbert Jones, guys from this state? Yeah. So I, I think that his system that he plays, the way they play, um, inhibits player development because of the freedom that he gives guys the belief in it. I've been to a few practices this year, how they work on it. I think it translates to the games because of how much freedom he gives the guys that you can actually see guys getting better. Um, and I think that's one way in college basketball to really emphasize player development. I, I think though, 
you, you know, like me, William, you know John Petty since he was in high school. You know, you knew Alex Reese. We recruited Alex Reese. We, we, recruit, we were the first ones to offer Herb Jones when I was at UAB. So what I think Nate Oates has brought to those guys is accountability and culture. And I think that's what had been lacking a little bit. And Nate Oates is a big leader on culture. He believes in it. He believes in accountability. And I think those guys had not really been a part of um, a program that where that was at the forefront. And I'll tell you, you know, it, it was written in a national article recently, so I don't mind saying it, but Alabama was four and three this year. They had lost to Western Kentucky at home, a bad loss. Even though Western Kentucky is the best team in conference, you would say, look, a bad loss, right? It was a bad they, loss at the time. They didn't play well at all. Exactly. They, they did not look great against Stanford, obviously, at all. Uh, the Clemson game was sloppy, and they could have lost the Furman game, you know, as well. She probably should have lost had the guy not <laughs> fouled out. Exactly, exactly. So what I will think as the most important coaching move that Nate Oates made this year, and again, it's been publicly stated in some articles, he suspended John Petty. And I don't know what the reason was for. I don't know what went on, but they weren't together. They weren't cohesive. And I think Petty was a huge part of that. Well, I think, you know, giving him a one game suspension and just from the outside saying, hey, listen, this is how we're going to play. And this is how it's going to be and holding them accountable to what they want. To me, that changed the whole season. And because when you do that, when you can take your best players and um, as a coach and not be fearful and hold them accountable and don't worry about, you know, winning per se and just worrying about what your program's about, that was the game changer. And I credit John Petty because he's played as with the best leadership and composure that I've seen ever in his career. And I credit him as well. So I think, but that move right there, uh, was the biggest statement to me that has really led Alabama, you know, to, to the success they've had. And I think it goes one of two ways in that type of situation. And you can probably attest to this as a coach. You might have had experience in this as well. Players can, and this happens, you know, at the end of the season. Players, John could have heard that and not come back. He could have walked out of the gym for the last time after that practice or whatever the situation was. But he came back and he's had the best college year of his career and he's one of the best players in the SEC. And so, you know, you ha it happens in football. Something doesn't go their way. Players disagree with the coach. They hit the portal, and they're gone. Mac Jones didn't have things go his way, never had any issues with coaches, but wasn't playing. But he, he stayed, and he worked it out. John Petty came back to the gym. However many days later, he came back. He worked it out, and look where Alabama is now. It's, it's a testament to, I think, as you were talking about Nate Oates and the type of guy that he is and the coach that he is, and you talked about that player accountability. It was that endearing coaching personality, I feel like, that made Petty want to come back. And then now, here we are. Yeah, and I think Petty's, look, Petty's a, is talented. He's a smart kid. He knows, you know, he, he knows that his, this is an important year for, wasn't going to be an important year for him. He has NBA dreams, you know, so I think a lot of that played into it and he's a senior and this is his last go around and I think you know when you when you have when seniors are putting good in and good environments and held accountable great things can happen and I think that's exactly what we've seen with Nate Oates in Alabama. I'm going to come back to the SEC but I want to ask you because you talked about recruiting those three guys for men's state when you were at UAB and also your previous stops at Virginia Tech in Maryland um, what's the biggest 
challenge in recruiting as a coach, but also when you were at UAB, talk about the talent that the state of Alabama has. It fluctuates year in and year out, but Alabama has some great high school basketball. Yeah, I think, well, especially let's, you know, in the Birmingham area, you know, and, and a shout out to, you know, Mountain Brook for winning the, the state championship and Oak Mountain, two schools, right, right here within Birmingham. Um, you know, at UAB, William, it was interesting because in the last few years in the state of Alabama, you've had a few guys every year that are really highly recruited, talented players. And then for us at UAB, there was, there was a somewhat of a drop off. Um, and so we really found ourselves trying to recruit again, being the final two for Alex Reese, the first to recruit Herb Jones, you know, one of the first to offer Kyra as well. And what was difficult for us is obviously we were going against the SEC schools in Alabama. And, and you know this, when, when we had our most success at UAB, we had got William Lee, we had convinced William Lee come to UAB um, instead of going to Alabama, which which is very difficult to do, but what, you know, HaHa wanted to come here. So um, what I always used to tell kids was, and one of my pitches, um, especially when I worked for Coach Hass and as the head coach was, look, UAB has a great tradition, has had a lot of pros. At the time, Alabama had not had many, there hadn't been many people flat out drafted from the state of Alabama. And I used to tell people all the time, listen, when I'm recruiting against the tide, I can tell you this, I used to say all the time, listen, prior to Nate Oates being there too, I would say, hey, look, if they were having pros, if, if people from Alabama were going there and were becoming pros and going to the NCAA tournament consistently, I get it, but they're not. Come to UAB, be different. Now, what I will say is in the last two years, Kyra Lewis changed that. The first one really since Bledsoe and Cousins to do it now. And, and he did it really under Nate Oates' system. So I think that's what really helps Coach Oates. Now what you, in my opinion, Herb Jones, I don't know if he'll get drafted or where. He will play in the NBA, in my opinion, for a long time. Petty is right there. Trendon Wofford will play, you know, in the NBA. So what you're seeing now, J.D. Davidson is going to be on the mock drafts the day he steps on campus. So you're seeing now a lot more. And the huge thing for Alabama and even Auburn to some degree because they went to the Final Four is now, and they've had some, you know, or Curl was a top 10 pick. Now what you're seeing is kids saying, okay, I can go to the in-state schools and achieve my dreams of being a pro, playing in the NBA, having a chance to, and also going to the tournament, which when we got to UAB was not the case at the time. Yeah, I think one thing that people think about the state of Alabama, it's Alabama, it's Auburn, it's football. But one thing, especially that Bucky McMillan has been hammering home to me is that Alabama is turning into a basketball state. And for the longest time you talked about Bledsoe, there's been talent in this state. It's just that football gets so much of the media spotlight. And I'm a basketball guy. Obviously, you're a basketball guy. That's why I'm talking to you. But this state has some incredible basketball. It's got some rich history. Talk about UAB's history. They have and we don't need to get into, you know, UAB and Alabama and <laughs> why they won't play. But um, there, there's with Bartow and then with um, Sanderson at Alabama. I mean, those are two very tradition-rich programs. I would say that when it all comes down to it, Alabama is one of the better states for basketball in the southeastern region. I, I think when you Georgia compare it to Mississippi – um, when you compare it to uh, Louisiana, yeah, I mean, Georgia, you know, Atlanta has had so much tradition, I think, and Florida, that, that's, those are the ones. But, 
No, you're, you're exactly right. UAB's tradition, you know, we used to talk about it all the time, is amazing. The one thing that's changed, unfortunately, about the UAB situation is the league. Conference USA is totally different than it, what it used to be. And, and if you could imagine with what Nate Oates is doing at Alabama, with what Coach Pearl has done at Auburn, the Final Four, and if you could imagine a UAB in, in, an, in a league like the old conference USA, or could you imagine in, a, in the league, like, you know, with the Louisville, DePaul, like a big East league or an American conference league, it would be, it would help even much more, um, you know, the state as well, in my opinion. All right, Rob, jumping back to around the SEC, the SEC tournament upcoming, Arkansas is playing some of the best basketball. I think it's 10 wins in a row. Alabama had a 10 game win streak, but that was almost feels like ages ago. I mean, these games, they wear on you. Uh, but I think Arkansas is, I would say, playing the best basketball in the league right now, and that's me being objective. Uh, and after seeing them play in Fayetteville last week against Alabama, Eric Musselman has his guys playing really well. What would you say about the job he's done, and can do you think it'll be Alabama-Arkansas when it comes to Sunday in the SEC championship? Um, I'm going to answer the second part first. I do not think it will be Alabama and Arkansas in the championship. Um, and if I'm one, if I'm an Alabama fan or, and I'm an Arkansas fan and I want, and I'm really excited about my team potentially going to a sweet 16, you know, history can show sometimes it's not all bad that you don't make it, that, that you don't win the whole, that you don't win the SEC tournament. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I, I think Arkansas, what has been most impressive to me is they were two and four at the league at one point, Alabama had beat them by what felt like 30. You know, uh, LSU on national TV in January had beat them by what felt like 25 or 30. And for Coach Musk to rejuvenate, get the guys back on track, and now to go on the run they have gone on, that is the most important. That's the most impressive thing. And I think whatever you said, how many straight SEC wins they've had has been amazing. And look, Auburn almost beat them and probably should have at Arkansas. They had an amazing comeback. What I'll say for both of these teams is this. When you are new to the spotlight, when you are new to the NCAA tournament, when you are new to being a top four seed, that comes with a lot of pressure. What I will say that I think Alabama and Arkansas have that I going for them in this regard is Nate Oates has done it and been successful in the NCAA tournament. He knows what it's like to go and beat an Arizona, beat an Arizona State in the tournament. So, so your leader knows how to do it. Musselman as well, has took, you know, went to the Sweet 16 with Nevada a few years ago. For the players and for the pressure I talked about earlier, sometimes with a team like this who doesn't have a lot of recent postseason success, a little bit of adversity is good for you at the right time. And I would be very worrisome if Arkansas would continue to run the table and went beat, they're probably going to beat Texas A&M. And then, you know, they win one or two games and then expect them, you know, to continue, continue that. And, and from a coaching standpoint, it's not all bad for some adversity this time of year to refocus your team, say, hey, look, guys, it, it gives you the perfect message to say, hey, look, we've won games because we've had a, a great tip in or we had we got lucky here but look our ball screen defense has to get better if you want to win in march and sometimes for that message to go it's hard for that message to go through william when you're winning and everyone's telling you this is the greatest season you guys have ever had when you lose a game or two as a coach you can really you know you can tighten up some things to get ready to make a run and so that's what i think is an interesting dynamic and see to see how it plays out
that adversity for Alabama might have to come in a loss in the SEC tournament because obviously you can't lose after the SEC tournament. Um, but Alabama is playing some pretty good solid ball right now. They'll have to win three games in three days when it comes to this point next week. Rob, I want to ask you about, as a Pac-12 network analyst, I want to ask you about Dana Altman, the job he's doing at Oregon. As John Rothstein likes to say, he aligns Rubik's Cubes. What has made him so successful there in the season that Oregon's had? Well, I think this is what I'll say. Oregon has had two incredibly big pauses. They're literally cramming, you know, I was in the studio with the Pac-12 Network uh, a weekend ago. They're literally cramming like six games into eight, you know, nine days, which I was very concerned about for them, thinking that somebody could get hurt. What are the, what's going to happen with Mark? What's going to happen in the tournament? They're going to be a fatigue. But I'll tell you what, I, I, you know, the more now that I've been familiar with Oregon from working in the Pac-12 Network is that his ability – to mesh teams and have them play together down the stretch is maybe as good as anyone in the country and is very underrated. But now actually, you know, again, studying them, it's why they've had all this success. And he does it with transfers, which you know can be the most difficult thing. I mean, the most difficult thing is to gel older guys transfers who are trying to get buckets at the end of their career. They're worried about the NBA. And he just has, honestly, somewhat of a magical touch with that. With that, I'm shocked. I thought they were going to lose a few more games, you know, in the last week because of game, game, game. They did get lucky and had a couple games. Utah, they could have lost at home to Utah. They could have lost at home to Colorado, went to the last minute. Um, but if they beat Oregon State on Sunday, they're going to probably win the Pac-12 regular season which is just an amazing thing and and teams every I said this earlier but every team that I've been on coaching a player that has made a running march has a great locker room the locker room is together and it seems like he kind of has that formula William to have that close uh, knit locker room when they need it all right closing out here Rob a couple quick hitters for you uh, like to end my interviews with these on a lighter note um, if basketball did not exist what would your dream job be um, I would probably be a radio DJ. Trying to, your, trying, uh, to be, trying to be the next William Galloway, maybe. <laughs> oh gosh. I'd be playing a, a, I'd be all over the place. You know, I'd be playing 2010 pop, 1990s country. Everyone would listen to my radio. If you saw my Spotify playlist, you, you'd be like, who is this guy? Like, I love there's that. no consistency. Uh, favorite genre of music on that note? You know, I was always uh, a rapper. I grew up loving Tupac uh, on the West Coast. I used to always joke with my players that I could rap better, better than any of those guys, which I stopped doing that once I become a, became a head coach. But I was known to, to, to drop a few bars back in the day. That sounds like a fun uh, plane and bus ride. You know, get, uh, get Coach Rob on the mic. Let's go. Exactly, yes. Body lay on a beat. Um, yes. And then let's see, one more. We'll go uh, favorite Birmingham restaurant, restaurants, plural. Um, well, I'm going to go with, I, I've, I've eaten it so much over the years. Uh, Joe Maloof is, is, is a, a great friend of mine and a great donor of Alabama, UAB, and just about everybody, but full moon barbecue, uh, during the winter, this time of year, the chili, I get the, I get the chili with the turkey, uh, grilled cheese sandwich with turkey. It's, it's hard to beat. That was a staple coming down to Bama basketball, UAB basketball games. I remember going in the green and gold club growing up uh, with my cross the street neighbors. 
I was actually thinking about that earlier this week when I was in Bartow, uh, how I would go down and have the media workroom was where I would have those uh, pork sandwiches as a kid yep. and then stop. And never I forget there, was, it. there was one in, I think it's in Bessemer on exit one on 459. We would stop there a couple times coming out of Bama basketball games. Um, yep. Great food, great people. Full moon. There it is. Gotta, gotta love some full moon. Well, Rob Eason, thank you so much for taking some time on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Talking hoops with you. Looking forward to a great March and uh, thank you for your time. Appreciate it, William. Once again, thanks to Coach Eason for his time. Really enjoyed talking to Rob. Great insight. And I love picking the mind of a basketball coach, especially this time of year. Not just the X's and O's, but the intricacies that go in and the details that go in to making a program successful and trying to climb the ladder and go down and down and down the bracket to keep winning and try and end up in that final four. There's tons that goes on other than just playing the game when it comes to the month of March and college basketball. You can follow Rob Eason on Twitter at Rob Eason. That's E-H-S-A-N. Great conversation with him there. Let's move to Around Alabama Athletics now. Football spring practice is coming up. There hasn't been a start date announced officially, but spring practice will be coming up shortly. The team will play its spring game in April, and it won't answer every question you have. Alabama football, you'll never have all your questions answered, but the spring game will give fans a look and a little bit more certainty on any topics they may be wondering. Quarterback, who's going to replace Najee Harris? How much of a role is John Mechie going to play? They'll get to see Alabama in action for the first time as they gear up for the 2021 season. Should be fun, and obviously... It's not a first game. It's an inter-squad scrimmage. It gets dumbed down every single year, but it will be good to see Alabama play the 8A game in April. Football spring practice, like I said, is on the way. And get this, Alabama athletics is undefeated versus Auburn this school year. Football, men's basketball, soccer, women's basketball, gymnastics, like you name it, Alabama's defeated Auburn this year. They're undefeated. It's quite a remarkable feat. It hasn't happened in quite some time and that success is only looking to continue into more spring sports. The women's basketball team is at the SEC tournament. They will take on Missouri. That's tonight. This podcast is being recorded on Thursday. Tonight at 5 p.m., the women's basketball team needs a couple wins if they really want to give themselves a better chance to get into the NCAA tournament. If they can make a run in the SEC tournament, that might behoove them. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Alabama softball is 15-0. They have a weekend tournament back at home for the third weekend in a row. This weekend, Montana Fouts versus, I believe it was Mississippi State on Wednesday, had 16 strikeouts in a 4-0 win over the Bulldogs. 16 strikeouts. That's a career best for Montana. I believe it's a program record. I'm going to have to check on that. But regardless, sitting down, retiring, however you want to put it, 16 batters, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Congratulations to Montana Fouts on 16 Ks. Alabama baseball heads to College of Charleston this weekend for their weekend series. The baseball team, led by Brad Bohannon, is 8-1. They've been playing pretty well so far. They had a tough spout pitching-wise versus UT Martin. However, they are on the up-and-up, and and conference play is right around the corner. Conference play is going to be a gauntlet for Alabama baseball. That's not to say they can't be successful and they can't win some games, but the SEC top to bottom is hands down the best conference in baseball, so we'll have to keep an eye 
on Coach Bo and how his squad does. That's it for Around Alabama Athletics. Just a brief look there for you at what's going on in Tuscaloosa. It really is a busy spring, and so the Galloway Podcast will continue to keep you updated as the spring semester 2021 rolls on. Thank you so much for choosing the Galloway Podcast. I want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. The Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. And if you're interested in any merchandise, I've only got a handful of Nike Dry Fit hats left. I've got some One Comfort Colors t-shirt if you wear a double XL uh, let me know. I'll get that to you. And some tumblers, coffee mugs, golf towels also for sale. Check out my weekend sportscast this weekend coming up on WVA23. You can stream it live on WVA23.com or watch it on your cable if you have that on cable. Weekends, 10 p.m. Saturday, Sunday night. Check it out there. And want to thank you once again for choosing the Galloway Podcast. This is the Galloway Podcast, episode 68, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. <laughs>